From the studios of Teeing It Up from the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for October 1st. It's October 1st, Sean. Sean Davison's with us to recap uh, the Ryder Cup. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling as we recap uh, the Ryder Cup, which was won decidedly by seven points over Europe, which is always a good reminder, Sean, that no matter how much you want to get on the U.S., this was won by Europe. So this is what we're going to do. I think Alan Shipnuck um, kind of really summed up the U.S. problems in two tweets. Uh, he f- uh, um, And he said, um, I'm still thinking about Phil admitting how much he was struggling all week with Furyk and with a 3-1 lead sending him out in foursomes anyway, which, which all of us agree was a horrible decision. That automatic loss helped Europe build the momentum that flipped the entire Ryder Cup to utterly incomprehensible and negligent work by Furyk. And in the wake of Patrick Reed's rant about him not being paired with Spieth to Karen Krauss of the New York Times, a, uh, a, a summary. DJ Yip's domestic drama, Tiger exhausted, apathetic, Bubba sick, Phil slumping and panicking, Reed scorned, aggrieved, wife rage tweeting, Spieth feeling Reed's wrath, Bryson going Facebook official cost him $10 million, which I don't even know what that's about, and amazing they won 10.5 points. Um, I think that's a good summary of the U.S., so we'll get to them in a second. But we've got to start, I think, Sean, with Mollywood, because Mollywood was the Ryder Cup, in a nutshell. I mean, Francesco Molinari scored half the U.S.'s points on his own. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and then when you combine the five points that he put up with the four points that Fleetwood put up, the two of them combined are each in their own respective columns at nine points, um, and the U.S. had ten and a half. Um, they are the Europeans' answer to what we thought was Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, and now it seems to be Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Um, tip of the cap to JT and Spieth. They were the reason why the U.S. had any kind of shot uh, going into Sunday with the 10-6 deficit. Otherwise, they would have been in a lot worse shape than they were. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Fleetwood, there's something about the guy that you just got to love. And he's very humble. He, he appreciates every moment, every honor. Said it was the proudest he'd ever been just to put on a uh, Europe jersey and had no idea what it was going to be like, but it was the proudest he'd ever been, um, and, and he played like it. And Francesco, this is not the same Molinari that we saw in 2010 and 2014. Um, th- this guy was the stalwart of the European side, and I guess it's fitting that he was the one that had the official clinching point considering the summer that he's had, but fantastic job by the Europeans and those two guys in particular. What I think is remarkable about Tommy Fleetwood um, is that here's a guy who's never won in the PGA Tour, never won um, a, a major or a WGC, yet he just won, or, or what was it, won either this year or last year the French Open on this golf course. Um, he, uh, uh, sorry, it was Norn who won this year. It was Fleetwood, I believe, who won last year. Um, but, but he's been trending, and you thought that his coming out party would be soon. And as 
one of the NBC announcers said at some point, if he if 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 he doesn't get a shampoo deal after this, uh, somebody in the sponsorship world is totally messed up. He's a guy I think that's going to be great for golf and especially European golf because he's got spunk to him. He's got personality. He's got game. He's not afraid to show his personality. And for all these guys that are so buttoned up and worried about their reputations. Fleetwood just wants to have a, a, a damn good time. And I think that that's going to be really beneficial to him because I don't see him tightening in big situations. No, I mean, he keeps a, he keeps himself very cool. Um, you know, he won over the American crowd at Shinnecock at the U.S. Open when he had that run for history. Um, he, he's just, I don't know what it is about him. There's something very endearing about him. I think he hit the nail on the head with his personality and the way he goes about his business. Um, you know, between him and Eddie Pepperell, who we haven't really seen contend on the big stages, but, you know, there's some sort of down-to-earth quality about Eddie Pepperell, kind of like, you know, the Andrew Beef Johnson kind of quality and charm that we had a few years ago. Yeah. Um, those are the two emerging stars, personality-wise, I think, for Europe. Um, and Tommy Fleetwood also, not to say that Eddie Pepperell doesn't have it yet, um, but Tommy Fleetwood's the one whose game is proving it and backing himself up on the biggest stages so far. And uh, all-around star for the Euros, and I would not be shocked at all if this next PGA Tour and European Tour season we see an even more kind of breakout kind of year for Tommy Fleetwood. It's the last piece of the puzzle, and I would not be shocked if multiple PGA Tour titles and maybe even a major come his way. You know, you look at that European team, and they all got a point, which I, I, I think is huge. But you look at what Sergio did going 3-1-0. Here's somebody who I joke with a buddy who's a big, um, who's a big uh, Sergio fan, that as soon as he won the Masters, he didn't care about golf anymore. He got married. Um, he, he had a kid, and like his head has just been just all over the place. And here's somebody who went 3-1-0 and showed the Sergio of old something about that soil or those jerseys or I don't know what it was, but that was the Sergio we saw last year and in past Ryder Cups. And it just makes you wonder. And it, and on, on my end, it just makes you think, and, and you've seen this up close and personal being on tour for so long, how much some guys are engaged one week and disengaged the next. You know, for Sergio, we were speculating and trying to figure things out last week. And we were talking about the different captain's picks and, you know, which question marks are going to turn into exclamation points. And, you know, I think David Faraday on the broadcast brought up a really good point about how for European players, you know, you had the Open Championship and you had the Ryder Cup for the longest time. Yeah. Know, the opportunity to, to assert yourself against the Americans on a lot of your career was based, or a lot of your legacy was based on not just how you did in major championship stages, but also the Ryder Cup. Um, and, and, you know, there was a particularly heavy weight, I think, especially for the European side, having lost the Ryder Cup with regularity for so much time and representing Europe and, and beating the U.S. And there's a pride and a passion that's been passed down. Not to say that there isn't on the U.S. side, but when you're the underdog for so long, for decades, really, um, and finally you start to make inroads, there's a certain extra level of pride and passion that I think is passed down. 
and it, it got passed down from the likes of Sevi to Ollie and from Ollie to Sergio, and I think we're going to see the changing of the guard just in the Spanish sense from Sergio to John Rahm. Uh, but as far as Sergio goes, he's always been a Ryder Cup stud, winning as player in terms of points for the Europe for the European side, and I believe for both sides now. Um, and stop right there for a second, Sean, because that, I think, is astounding. 25 and a half points. You look at everybody who came before, especially from Great Britain and Ireland, but even after they expanded, and and guys like Seve, who's so much of, 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 of what we know about Seve's career is rooted in the Ryder Cup, um, for Sergio now to have the most points all time is just an astounding accomplishment. He's been paired very well with wonderful partners who have helped him along the way. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that, you know, when he first started out in the Ryder Cup and he had Jesper Parnovic as his partner and both of them are jumping up and down, high-fiving, all sorts of good stuff in the fairways um, to the various partners that he's had over the years since. Um, He's partnered very well. and, And for Sergio to have all these different partners and to play very well, yeah, he's had help from his partners, but at the same time, if we're going to go by the common denominator theory, um, if you watch the coverage at the very end of, of the Ryder Cup, there are a lot of hugs and high fives and a lot of congratulatory remarks to Sergio from not just the Europeans but also the Americans. This is a guy who has, yes, in the mainstream, had his occasional run-in with Tiger Woods, um, and, and that's been blown up in the media. But aside from those run-ins, has really been an overwhelmingly popular player in the locker room and amongst his peers. And uh, he, he seems to just sort of be the heart of the European side a lot of times. You know, him and Ian Poulter both as of recently. But yeah, there's something about Sergio that, that with this event that bleeds just pure passion for, for sport and for golf and for country and for pride, that brings the best out of him, and, and it's really a beautiful thing. Um, he's always been a world-class player, and I think, of course, the pony show, I like to call it, after you win a major golf tournament or anything like that, or in the college sports context, whenever they bring in a new head coach, I like to call it like the pony show. You prance around, you take your pictures, you, you know, everybody oohs and ahs and whatnot. That can be very, very draining for somebody like a Sergio, or for anybody, really. Um, And and I think between that and then getting married and then having a child, there's been a lot off the course, and none of it's been bad that has just sort of taken his attention away, or at least not taken it away, but also took a large part of it. He's had to divvy it up a bit. And, you know, now he's had a child, child's growing up. Uh, It's long enough after that Masters victory, we have a new Masters champion, uh, he, he's starting to show, I think the week coming into the Ryder Cup, he played pretty well. He, he's starting to show signs of getting his game back together again. And he's always been, again, a world-class player. And this is one of those events that's just tailor-made for him. And, you know, it, I think it was a perfect storm for him. Back in Europe, back on the Ryder Cup, game I think was starting to round into form, even though we hadn't seen it all the way in terms of results quite yet. Um, and then the, the whole life off the course thing was starting to slow back down into a more, I guess, routine kind of level for him. So I think this is exactly what we were wondering coming into this coming week or the past week. Um, 
this is going to be the catalyst for Sergio Garcia to get his career back on track. I absolutely believe it. Talking to Sean Davison about the Ryder Cup. Uh, Stenson went 3-0 and too, and it's those captain's picks. The captain's picks for Europe dominated. The captain's picks for the U.S., besides Tony Finau, got zero wins. It's as simple as that. Henrik Stenson's uh, elbow is fine. He, uh, I, I, I was skittish about him, but he really stepped up going 3-0. and and, and Thomas Bjorn had a system. He sticked to his system. He, pulled, he pushed all the right buttons. Apparently, he's getting a tattoo because of it. And, you know, away they go. Away they go. You know, they had a great mix of young talent and experience. The veterans, it, here's the thing. You know, if you're, if you're going to turn to experience and, you know, if you're going to turn to experience, A, I would hope that the experienced players are playing well, and B, I would hope that not only is it just experience in the Ryder Cup, but it's winning experience. Um, and that is, you can classify that and typify that to, to Henrik Stenson. Um, he's been on many a winning side. Europe. Uh, he's played respectively well. He's dealt with the injury issues. Hasn't had the kind of year that he would have liked. Um, but, you know, you go back one more year, he's winning an Open Championship. So, Or a couple of years ago, he's winning an Open Championship. So, I mean, he's a world-class player who very well in his 40s might not have another opportunity to come back to Europe as a player. And I think that's also the other element of it. You know, three of those captains picked. Poulter, Sergio, not only do they have experience and winning experience, but they're back in Europe, they're back on the team, and they're in their 40s. How many more opportunities are you going to get to play on your home soil, representing your country and representing Europe on the Ryder Cup team, which has been a huge part of your career up until this point? So I think you had a lot of guys who had winning experience who might not have necessarily been playing their best golf, but had an extra source of motivation. You know, this might be their last go-around. Who knows? And they made the most of it. That they did. Um, I'm talking to Sean Davison about the uh, Ryder Cup. Let's flip to the U.S. There's a lot of places to start. Let's start with the positive. Um, Justin Thomas, I, I think... You know, he was listed as a rookie. He's obviously not a rookie because of all uh, because of everything that's happened over the last couple of years. But look, he had been the three Ryder Cups already with his dad. He kind of knew what to expect. He stepped up in a big spot. He paired well with Jordan. He sunk clutch putt after clutch putt on Saturday morning when they had to have that match to at least salvage something out of the session, which they did to keep it to four. Um... Here's a guy who's going to be on every team now, I think, for for 20 years, Presidents and Ryder Cup, and um, he was able to fit that golf course with the penal rough and just the the really tough nature it was set up on. Um, he was able to get the ball in the fairway, give himself looks at birdies and pars when, when pars would win holes. And it paid off. I, I, I think it's a really interesting um, next set of milestones for Justin Thomas after this weekend. Because I, I, I think he's put himself out there as, as a preeminent U.S. star in this next wave. No, for sure. 
I, I, I was so impressed because also he came in with some injury concerns. Too, yeah. With the wrist taped up. Um, so impressed with Justin Thomas. And, you know, he did play on that President's Cup team where he teamed with Fowler, and they played really well together. Um, and now he's played really well with Spieth in the Ryder Cup. And the Ryder Cup's a little bit of a different animal than the President's Cup is. Um, but really impressed with the quality of his play. I think Jordan Spieth in particular, I, seeing Jordan Spieth make putts again was really a, an encouraging sign. Um, yes, that was nice. Yes. On top of those two, big time. Tip of the cap to Tony Fino. Big time. That guy played really, really well. And I mean, when you consider how well Fleetwood and Molinari were playing as a team together to basically blow the doors off the Tommy Fleetwood hype train on Sunday was about as impressive a single performance I had seen that day as anybody. And I think it's only a matter of time before Tony Finau starts winning more regularly on tour. His only win, if I'm not mistaken, is in Puerto Rico. But he's top ten it and top five it to death, where he's consistently a top 30 FedEx Cup player. He's constantly in all the majors. He's contending in some of them now. I mean, he's knocking and knocking and knocking. And, and sooner or later, he's going to knock the door down. And going to Europe and playing the way he did in front of 50,000 people, 45,000 or so, I would imagine, were people that were rooting directly against you. Um, really impressive stuff from a true uh, Ryder Cup or U.S. team rookie. Uh, could not be more impressed with him. Um, but yeah, there were some stars on the U.S. side and then some guys that, I mean, they only scored 10.5 points you would have loved to see more out of. You know, it's one of those things where he and, and Webb Simpson definitely should have played more. Um, and how Phil Mickelson ended up an alternate shot is beyond me. I didn't like the way Captain Furyk went about it. Um, you can argue um, if what Patrick Retort told Karen Krause is right about it being a kind of buddy system. Um, but it's it, it was I, I did not like the way in press conferences all week that Jim Furyk uh, said that decisions that were him that that he went, you know when it came to the singles order he he went through it with the vice captains and talked to the players but didn't consult the players. If the Fred Couples method is is everything, which is basically you do whatever the heck you want and just you know don't you know make a mess of yourself and end up on the police blotter. I don't care. Um, and if Davis Love is basically this task force is amazing. We're gonna go through this. We've got our ideas. We've got our concepts. We've got situations that work. And boom, and and Hazeltine happens. Um, if if those are, are kind of the, the two systems that work, this seemed more, not in the, in the Tom Watson um, vein, but it, it seemed more, you know, Sarji, 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 Sarson, Sarson, Sorry. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Oh, done. Okay. All right. I'm sorry about that. No, you're good. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, 
This is what happens when you do uh, live radio. Although this is not live radio, obviously, but this is what happens when you uh, when when you have an uh, have an issue uh, like I did there. I uh, need to get a drink of water and uh, having to wait. And I don't edit podcasts because I believe that editing podcasts, besides stuff that you know is off the record that that you accidentally say or something that can get you in trouble, or if, or if or if you can't curse and and, and you curse. Um, things like that. I'm I'm not a, a a big fan of editing podcasts, so I'll leave that in and just stick with us. And um, okay. we're we're here with Sean Davison, and we're talking about the Ryder Cup. And I just didn't like the way Jim Furyk handled things. It, it it sounded more like it was his way and the vice captains of the highway, or that it was a select group of guys in that team room or the highway. It just. Even before Reed's rant, it just felt from the press conferences like some things were a little bit awry from the past. So, so, so basically, my question to you, uh, that had no question, that was more a statement, is how would you assess Jim Furyk's week? You know, I, a lot of the pairings I thought were odd. You know, to me, I thought that they might have hit on something. It, it didn't work out in that particular session, but I thought that DJ and Brooks still played respectively well together, that it would have been nice to see them play together more than once. You know, they're the Bash Bros from South Florida. I mean, if you're going into the pod, the pod system that, that Azinger instituted back in 2008, yeah. um, you know, guys with backgrounds that are similar, that are, you know, that either play well together and there's a history of them playing well together or their personalities mesh well together. Um, you know, I, I feel like they were potted up okay. I just don't feel like a lot of the right matchups were there. You know, to me, honestly, I, I'm, I'm down for the JT speed pairing. I get it. They're good buddies. They grew up together. Um, both have been world-class players for the last two, three years. But you had some sort of winning formula I mean, you did have a winning formula already with Reed and Speed. And you also, from the President's Cup, saw a pretty solid winning formula with Fowler and JT. Now, if you want to try things differently for one session, I get it. But I think there's two competing ideologies. Roll with a hot team, or when the rest of the team is struggling, maybe try to split those guys up and try to divvy out the guys that are playing well and see if they can bring other guys up to their level. I would have liked to have seen more of that on Saturday, um, where, you know what, JT and Speed played well together on Friday. We're going to see if the whole Speed 3 thing works, and we'll see if we can pair Tiger with DeChambeau for more than one session. Um, we'll see if we can get the Bash Bros together. I feel like there were some natural pairings there that were overlooked until the last minute or completely overlooked altogether. And, you know, then you add in Tony Finau didn't do anything that would indicate that he shouldn't have played more than a couple of team sessions. Uh, and then I would have loved to have seen Webb Simpson play more because Webb Simpson, aside from Justin Thomas and maybe Jordan Spieth, and then Tony Finau in the limited sample size that we saw of him, played some of the consistently best golf out of anybody on that team. Yeah. He was incredible. Um, so I, I feel like there were there were some other pairings. I Personally, I would have loved in a four ball because, again, I, I, I never 
associated, especially the way he's been driving the ball of late and driving it in trouble. Phil Mickelson was being a foursomes guy at this point. I know he's played well in the format in the past, but the thing is is that in Europe where you're going to have ribbons of fairways and rough that's up to your knees, you cannot have a guy that's not going to hit fairways in alternate shots. I mean, it, it made no sense. It made no sense. It zero sense whatsoever. But if you want to put a guy like him with Bubba in four ball, where you've got Bubba and you just let Bubba do Bubba things and Phil do Phil things, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you've got two guys that you're sending out there and just letting them freewheel it, that might have actually worked pretty well. You know, it could have gone horribly wrong, but it could have gone pretty well. And then you could have put Webb Simpson with uh, Brooks Kepka, which I think was a pairing in the past, and a pretty good one at that. Um, I, I, there's different ways that I think players could have been divvied up, different teams that were successful before that were not paired together. Um, instead of, of course, with JT playing with Beef exclusively, yet Fowler playing with DJ. And then when Fowler didn't play with DJ, that one time you saw DJ and Brooks. Um, I thought there was tinkering where there shouldn't have been, and then in places that tinkering should have been, there wasn't. Um, so it was it was suspect for sure. A really good Friday morning start, and then nothing good thereafter. And the U.S. has had foursomes problems for a long, long time, and that's not um, helpful for anyone's cause. Who gets the biggest lift out of this? Um, who do you think down the line gets the biggest lift out of this Ryder Cup? From an individual perspective, yeah. on the U.S. side or the European side, or just everybody together? Everybody together. It includes the the assistant captains, the vice captains, the, whoever you want to put in here. You know, on the U.S. side, I think the biggest lift has to be JT. I think, and you can follow that up with, I would say, a T2 between... Webb Simpson, Jordan Spieth, and Tony Finau. You know, for Tony Finau, I think he saw himself do things that I'm not sure Tony Finau knew he could do. I mean, there's got to be a sense of belief there, but as a Ryder Cup rookie to go out there and dismantle the guy who's been a buzzsaw all week long, um, that, that cannot be a negative thing for Tony Finau, especially considering he's still looking to take that next step on a huge stage in a stroke play tournament. You know, the kind of confidence that something like that can bring, I think, is huge for him. I think Webb Simpson, he's had an incredible year, and I think this was a great way to cap a really great year. And I think this is going to be something where Webb Simpson, who we've seen play really, really well some years and really, really poorly others, I think this is going to be a catalyst to allow him to string together a couple of really good years. So for him, um, that's a big boost. I think Jordan Spieth was starting to make putts again, starting to hit really good shots again. Uh, it, it just sort of seemed like we saw Jordan Spieth take a step forward altogether, comprehensively, in his golf game. Uh, that week off back home, probably with Cameron McCormick getting ready for the Ryder Cup, was really good for him. Um, so from that perspective, I think Jordan Spieth takes a good step forward on the U.S. side. And then Justin Thomas, battling a little injury issue, having never been in the Ryder Cup before, goes over into hostile territory, and uh, let's just be honest, he was the stud of the U.S. side. Um that's going to be a big step forward for him. On the European side, I would love to see Ian Poulter play the way that 
<laughs> that he plays in the Ryder Cup in more stroke play events because that's sensational. Um, but I think, of course, the two guys that are going to take a huge step forward in terms of their confidence and everything will be Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari. Uh, the way those two played all week long, aside from Sunday singles for Tommy, where arguably he ran into a buzzsaw because he made some birdies and Tony just made birdies on top of him. Um, you know, those two guys, especially I think Fleetwood, uh, are, are going to take a huge step forward in the right direction. I think it got Sergio Garcia back on track, so I put him right there. And then, of course, you know, for me, I almost feel like getting a taste of this and beating Tiger on Sunday it is going to be astronomically huge for John Rom, particularly because to do that and to withstand a late Tiger run, he had to keep all the pieces together. He had to keep himself calm. And that's been the big knock on John Rom, is that sometimes John Rom lets his emotions get in the way. And he was as cool and as calm and as collected as I've seen him in a big moment. And he's taken steps forward. You know, I don't want to discredit the guy. He's taken big steps forward over the last year. But I feel like his biggest step was in the Ryder Cup. He really looked like he had it all together. And then for a kid who, I mean, let's be honest, aside from Chevy and Ollie and Sergio growing up, he was probably also idolizing Tiger Woods like millions of other kids around the world. To go out there and beat Tiger on Sunday singles, um, I, I think that's going to be something that John Rahm is going to take and store in the back of his brain. That's why it was so emotional for him, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a big boost um, for for Rom. I think this is a big boost for, for Fleet Now. Uh, sorry, Fleetwood. Fleet Now is an interesting name. Fleet Now. Tommy Fleet Now. Do you think he's ready to get his Fleet Now going? <laughs> well, I mean, you can call him Fleet Now because he's a star in the Now. Yeah, I mean, Mollywood, Fleet Now, Molinari. I think yeah. if... if, if Fleetwood wins a major. It'll be Fleet Week, which is that week up here in New York where the where the ships come up every week, um, and all the sailors come around New York and uh, get to take in the sights and sounds of of of, of the big city. Um, you know, Fleet Week now or something like that uh, could be an interesting name for Tommy Fleetwood, considering his such a fast ascendance into where he is in this, in in the golf stratosphere. Um, for me, though, uh, just to uh, put a button on this, Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar was an assistant captain this year and has been very un-Matt Kuchar-like for the last couple of years. I wonder if this is kind of a little push to get him back on form and to get him back on one of these teams. Because seeing him not even close to qualifying, it was, was, was pretty surprising. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it was all that long ago that he was winning the players. And people were wondering when that major championship was coming. And then you go back a couple of years ago, and he played really, really well in the Open Championship. But one guy played a little bit better, and that was Jordan Spieth. I mean, if Jordan Spieth hadn't gone unconscious over the last four holes, we'd be talking about Matt Kuchar being a champion golfer of the year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that form has been there as recently as two seasons ago. Um, but... To that point, I'm not sure when's the last time he's won a tournament. I mean, he's usually really good about top tenning it and top. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the, the older version of Tony Finau. I think it's the RBC Heritage when he holed out from the bunker. Um, 
I'll look that up right now while we're here. It, it, it has been a while. Um, it has been a little while. I which mean, has been really... Yes, yeah, Max Future, I don't want to disrespect the guy. He, he's won the players. He's won a bunch yeah, of tournaments. Yeah, it, um, it, it is the RBC heritage, yeah. But in terms of, you know, as much as he contends versus as much as he wins, that's the kind of trajectory that I'm seeing Tony Finau on, and I'm hoping that, you know, the Ryder Cup and this experience here will, will give him a boost in the right direction. He, point certainly with Matt Kuchar. He, um, he, Zach Johnson as well. You can put Zach Johnson in the same category. Yeah. A guy that was a mainstay on U.S. Ryder Cup teams that did not come close to making this team. And, I mean, with his wedge play and his accuracy off the tee, I mean, that just sort of lends itself to longevity in his career. And he's played well. He has played well at times this past year. Got on a few major championship leaderboards. Um, I jokingly, before we went on the air one day, I think I told you I wouldn't be shocked if he contended the PGA. I think on Friday he was somewhere on the leaderboard. Uh, didn't stay there, but still, Zach, Zach plays well on occasion. I think this is going to be really good for him, too. You know, yeah. taste of it. Look at what it did to Bubba. I mean, look at what it did to Bubba. Two years ago, he was an assistant captain, didn't quite make the team, and then this year he wins three times and doesn't even need a captain's pick. Yeah. It, it, it's it can be transformational for guys. Um, it, it it really can be. Matt Kuchar won in two thousand nine, ten, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Has not won since that heritage at Harbor Town when he um, hold the bunker shot. So it's been almost uh, three. It has been three and a half, uh, almost three and a half years. Who would have thunk that? Was the last year that he won? Twenty fourteen. Wow. Yeah, who would have thunk that? If we go into that 2018-2019 season, I know it's a wraparound schedule now. Yep, starts this week. When Kuchar made his splash back on the scene back in 2010, started winning tournaments here and there from 2010 to 2014, that's about five or so seasons of winning. It's been about four-ish seasons since. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting fall season Um, because I I think you're going to see a lot of the big names – like Tiger, who who clearly was burnt out last week and just yeah. just worn out from everything that happened on on Sunday at 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 um, at East Lake. Um, you're gonna see some guys rise up and be able to win here. And whether it's a Bo Hostler, whether it's a Joaquin Neiman, whether it's um, guys straight off the Web.com tour, um, you look at because the PGA Tour published their uh, sorry priority ranking for this year. Um, there's a, there's a lot of big names coming off that tour um, who I think have a chance to win immediately and, and, and guys recently off that tour. But if you look at the guys who come off the Web.com tour fully exempt, so these are the guys who were the regular season winners and the, not, and the uh, non-regular season winners. Let me find that spot in the thing. Uh, Sun J M, who won a bunch of times, won I believe the first event of the year, and then kept it solid, and won I believe the last regular season event, and Denny McCarthy, and then you go to the other Web.com tour um, guys, and look who shows up: Sam Burns, Cameron Champ, um, uh, Sang Moon Bay's back on the PGA tour, um, oh, uh, Max Homa. There's a lot of guys, Curtis Luck, who's had, who's had a ton of success overseas, Wyndham Clark, 
and Dylan Fratelli. There's a lot of guys here down this list, Sean, that have a lot of experience either at the college level or at the PGA Tour level. I've bounced back. Hunter Mahan's back on the PGA Tour. There's, there, there, there are some interesting names coming off the web.com tour that I think can be very interesting when it comes down to guys who win in the, in, in, in the fall when it can be wide open spaces. No, I, there's so much good young talent. So, I mean, when we talk about how this could be really good for Kuchar and Zach Johnson and, and whatnot, <laughs> they're going to have their hands full trying to make a Ryder Cup team or a President's Cup team moving forward or just beating these kids to do it. Because, I mean, talking about Sergio and Henrik and all these guys that are 40-something on the European side, well, 40-something Americans, Tiger, Phil, Kuchar, Zach, and when you've got Bo Hostler, who looks like he is primed and ready to win a PGA Tour event, and I'm with you, I think he wins one this fall. Um, and you've got guys like Cameron Champ, who played really well in the U.S. Open when he was an amateur. And uh, one round out on the Web.com Tour, got his card. I mean, there's guys who are ready to win. Uh, some interesting names, too. Uh, very quick shout-out to Hunter Mahan. That guy's game was in a really dark place. After, uh, after the Ryder Cup loss over in uh, 2010. And, uh, you know, he dipped down and he dipped way down um, after that. And there was a period of time that we really didn't hear from him at all. And no. Credit to him. He's put the pieces back together. And, uh, you know, he's put the pieces back together and, and he's resurrected his career. I know he was, he played what was a final group at Marion in 2013, so he still played pretty well for a few years after that Ryder Cup, but, you know, after after 2013, I think it was, we really didn't hear from him anymore. Uh, 2014, he won the Barclays in 2014. That's his last PGA Tour win. So 2014, he wins the Barclays, and, and we really haven't heard from him since. Nope. And uh, I, from different people that I do know, you know, the game really did take a, a real sour turn for him. So for him to get back out on tour, good for him. Really good for him. And also, uh, I, I, I think, sorry to interrupt, I, 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 I think something that has to be mentioned here is that it, this is hard. It takes a lot of hard work. And those guys who end up in the Web.com Tour Finals are young, younger than him. He's now 36 years old. Younger than him, probably hit it a little farther than him, are more talented than him in terms of raw talent, and the sheer will that it takes to overcome all that and get to where he is now is really something you have to applaud. Oh, absolutely. All the respect in the world to Hunter Mahan, and I hope he plays great when he gets back to the tour. Yeah. We've seen glimpses of it in those Monday qualifiers and sponsors exemptions where he's been on the leaderboard going into the weekend. Um, Good for him. He's willed his way back on the tour, and I hope he stays there for a while. Good dude. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, 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 It'll be very interesting to see how he rebounds and, and uses this opportunity, because now you can feel a freedom. I'm out there, or... Oh my God! I've got to you know get back in that 125. Like, is it instant pressure? Actually, can he enjoy himself and actually play and, and and feed off that positivity? We shall see. Sean Davison, it is always a pleasure having you on my radio podcast program. Um, 
Thank you for another great year. And hey, if you would like to come on the week after the Tiger Phil exhibition, feel free. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to spend $25 to watch that, but we'll see about that. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> after Phil's play, we can only hope that the price gets discounted. Uh, I would like to be paid $25 to watch that at this rate. Um, but I will, I will say this about Hunter. Um, I, and I think you bring up an interesting point about uh, the mentality going forward. We talked about how well Creature played for about a five-year span winning a bunch of tournaments. That came off the heels of getting his tour card back from the Web.com tour and from Q School. At the time, it was Q School, but he was out there on the Web.com tour for a while. And I think that he, he might have finished top 25 that particular year, 2009, I think it was, or 2008, and, and got back on the PGA tour. And he never looked back. You know, he probably hasn't played as well as he would have liked to the past few years, but he's never looked back. And that's what I hope for for Hunter Mayhan. Another really quick shout-out, guys, coming out of the Web.com tour. I've been all over a bunch of guys from FSU, whether it be Brooks Kepka, Daniel Berger, uh, Jonas Flix. You've heard me talk endlessly about them time and time and time again. Hank Lebiota, Web.com tour graduate. He was one of the guys that was on the FSU golf team with Daniel Berger. And while Daniel Berger was you know, Daniel Berger doing Daniel Berger things. Hank Leviota just sort of quietly told away, and he had a very solid golf swing and a wonderful mentality, and it was the, he was the kind of kid that, not that I ever doubted Daniel Berger, because I always knew Berger would be on tour too, but he was the kind of guy that maybe you would think you wouldn't assume would make it out there, but there was always something about Hank that I thought he would make it out on tour. He's going to get his first shot this year. All the best to him. There you go. Sean, uh, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. All right, thank you, Jeremy. And thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time.